probably on board for most of this kind of stuff. There'll be a few people, when I say few, I'm not necessarily talking about you, but just people that you may talk to, they're like, well, brother, I kind of feel like, you know, and all this kind of stuff. So, but it's a, it's a, a it's an important topic we need to talk about, especially as we see um, the, the very first out of the box um, comment is Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Well, we're talking about the day approaching now, right? And so, um, did anybody have anything that just absolutely stood out in this that you're like, hey, I got a question. We'll just start that way. Anybody? Good. All right. Um, <clears throat> he goes on, he's talking here about, um, did y'all see in the, I want to say this kind of the second page where he's talking about <clears throat> when uh, the Ecclesia, when they were meeting in homes and all that kind of stuff. So let's take it a little bit of time to kind of break that down just a minute. So in that day, they had, they had the temple that they went to, okay? But they didn't have huge church buildings everywhere like we do, right? And so they met in homes. Yes, sir. It was the Jewish temple, and, and they did gather, well, they did gather there in the temple, and you saw Jesus go to the temple, and he would reason, so that was the thing too, so the Pharisees and the Sadducees, um, other Jewish men, that's what they would do, they would go to the temple, ladies, while y'all were out making a living, and they would go to the temple, and they would reason the scriptures, like they would talk about these things, so it wasn't like all the believers got together and went to the temple, I'm just saying they had a church setting, right? But then they also had these home group fellowships too. Um, if y'all remember, I told you about that really bad movie called um, Translated. No, it was good, but it was like, it was, they made it on $27.84, all right? It was very low budget, all right? But it was about Paul. Um, as soon as he was beheaded, he was translated to like the year 2014. And so he only spoke Greek and Hebrew and and it was his, like, looking at what the church looked like, futuristic for him, 2014. And he couldn't get, like, where do, all the, where do all the saints get together? You know, that was, people, saints, you know, nobody calls themselves saints, you know, except if you read the Bible and we're called saints, right? So, Miss Joan, are we good? Oh, no. <laughs> Dr. Hayes. Oh, no. No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you're going to have to hit somebody, I guess that'd be the best guy to hit. So, yeah, tell him, tell him your back's a little you need to chiropractic on you. Yeah. Well, good. We're glad you're, we're glad you're good. But in that show, um, he is talking about, like, you know, terminology that they're kind of like, huh, what? And then he asked about, you know, where does all the people go? And the guy was like, well, they go to churches. And he's like, church, what, you know, what? Because that wasn't a word that was used in the New Testament. And he said, well, they go to this one. He's like, well, okay, but where do they gather up together all? You know, he's like, well, we don't. And he's like, what? And, the whole idea that there would be different denominations and all this kind of stuff, it was just a foreign thing to him. So it was a really good movie. If you got time to, 
sit down and watch it. Just know that you might have to fast forward a few things. Um, like I said, it was done on about $28.38 or something like that, budget. So it was called Translated, and it was on, was it Netflix? YouTube. YouTube? YouTube? Um, it's free, but it's called Translated. I think it's about an hour long, something like that. So, uh, But anyway... So these people were getting together in people's houses, and that would probably be norm for that day in that era. <clears throat> so when you bring the church forward to 2024, and we have these buildings that we're meeting in and things like that, people are like, well, I don't agree with that. I think they met in homes. I think they, you know, well, do, do they, who comes to your house? Well, nobody, but I think that the church met, you know, well, <laughs> I mean, come on, right? The way we, the way we live, um, let me ask you this. How many has room for 188 people in your house? In the barn? Okay, maybe. Outside in my house, right? So the whole idea like, well, the church shouldn't meet in the building and all this kind of stuff. Let me just say this too. I believe, in my opinion, I believe I can show it to you in Scripture. We've done church, I'm not going to say wrong, but the, the idea of church has been kind of wrong. And what I mean by that is, we have said things like the church is for um, those who are wounded and hurt and that kind of stuff, and we want to, you know, be for them. And we are. But if you look at the New Testament, the way the church was set up, it was set up to be, um, if you want to call it a hospital, you can, but it was set up to be um, a training hospital, if you want to call it that. So it was for the equipping of the saints for the encouragement, and then they went out and did the work of the ministry, right? And then they came back in. So it would kind of like somebody coming into a training hospital, if, if they had a, a wound or something that they could take care of, they wouldn't turn them away. You know, they would triage them, so to speak, and what can we do to fix this wound? But while they're doing it, they've probably got people around there that's learning, right? So, and when I say we're doing church wrong, I'm not talking about like, you know, we, we've failed, flunked. I'm just saying, if you're not careful, we'll start looking for, the lowest common denominator, and that's where we'll be instead of God saying, hey, listen, here's what I want you to do. R roughly speaking, what was the church designed for? Anybody? Edifying the saints, okay. I'm looking for one word. It is edifying the saints. But instruction. Worship. Yes. There was new people coming in. Yeah, we say that. Tell the story of Jesus. I mean, these are all, yes, one word. We can all combine everything into that one word. It's discipleship. Jesus said this, go ye into all the worlds and make. He didn't say converts. We've been focused on making converts. You're saved. Yes, all right. Good luck in that. <laughs> no, we gotta we gotta bring people. We gotta tell them the good news about Jesus, right? You just got saved. I don't know anything. Okay, well, hey, guess what? So then you go. Okay, you guys got the the toddlers. You guys got the nursery. You guys got the the youth. You got you know what I'm saying? Like as we're maturity level, because some of y'all just went like, "Hey, get in the nursery." <laughs> we got baby Christians. We got Christians that have been two or three years old. So what happens to it? Well, we gather them up. We bring them to this place called church. And then here's the thing, too. We should have groups outside the church. We endeavor to do that, to have 
I don't necessarily like the word small group um, because it implies that I'm going to say, um, hey, Sharon, I need you and Gary to take care of all the uh, people that are, you know, 55 and older or whatever. Well, not everybody that's 55 and older may want to go hang out with Sharon. They probably want to hang out with Gary, you know. But... <laughs> But what I'm saying is we're all drawn to different folks. It's what makes us unique, right? <clears throat> so when we have a liking to someone, like we say, yeah, I'd like to find out more about that. Or, hey, and maybe it's something about you that's a specialty, right? Like you um, really uh, know how to explain a doctrinal issue. I mean, you've studied it, all these things, right? Right. There again, that's why God said, that's why through Paul he said, I've given the church pastors, prophets, teachers, preachers, right? I gave you these ones. Here's the problem. Sometimes pastors want to be all those things. I believe that there's a grace for a period of time for that. But when people start coming into the body that are exemplary in those giftings, then they need to be recognized. If not, then we're actually... Um, we're shortchanging you guys. We're not. We're not giving you the full, uh, the full Monty, <laughs> if you like. <want>, right? <laughs> but you get my point. But in the church, this was just talking about. We're supposed to be. Every one of you said the right thing. We're supposed to come together, edify the good news of the gospel. We're going to encourage one. I mean, all those things, right? And, and can I say this? As we see this time drawing nearer, people are looking for that. They're looking for, I mean, <clears throat> I heard a long time ago, uh, how many of you are familiar with David Wilkerson, uh, Times Square Church? He did a deal one time. You know, he went out there and was in, in with the gangs, you know, Nicky Cruz and all those guys. And they did a study, and they were finding out that a lot of these kids that were joining gangs is because they wanted a place to belong. If somebody else had reached out to them, they probably would have come along with them, right? I mean, I hate to say, well, church is like a gang, but, you know, we're a family, right? We're a very eclectic bunch. Right? We've got little, tall, big, skinny, you know, like I said, all these different personalities and things. And that's why I'm saying sometimes we come together eclectically on Sundays. We worship God. I love that when we start talking about renewing the mind. And, you know, they, uh, the whole study was about they hooked up a, a congregation of people. And when they began to worship, it, in a matter of moments, the entire congregation synced up, heartbeats. So they were literally worshiping God with one heart. And that's amazing. That's amazing. God knew all this. He wrote it in the scriptures, right? And we go, yeah, it's metaphoric. Well, no, not really. <laughs> it's literal. We're going we're gonna to sync up with one another. So as we do this, as we go through this process, this church thing, that's what he's talking about here. Don't forsake this getting together, right? Because <clears throat> I don't know about you, but let me say this. I don't think it upsets God if you take a vacation, okay? But if your ox is in the ditch all the time, sell your ox, okay? <laughs> Get a different ox, Okay? Um, you know, we kid about people that come in. We call them the CEO Christians, right? Christmas and Easter only. And um, 
There are people that live their lives that way, and then they have, they're like, well, I don't understand why God seems so far away. Well, God's still where he's at. I mean, he didn't walk away. Maybe it's because we haven't been getting around other believers that's encouraging. I mean, think about this for a minute. Just like with our kids, <clears throat> the beginning of this whole thing, it was um, God's idea that the family would train up their children, right? That's why he gave us verses, train up the child the way she go. Somewhere along the line, that got passed down to a little schoolhouse, and then that got passed into a public school. So your children are getting up early in the morning. You may see them for about an hour, maybe. You get them ready. It's hustle bustle. It's not what I would call quality time, right? Because it's usually, get your shoes, get your pack, get your stuff, right? You get in the car, you drive to school, and then they're, they're eight hours, and then you come home. Everybody's tired. You may have to run somewhere, do something, whatever. You come home. You feed them supper. You put them in the bath. You put them to bed. You might pray with them. That's their spiritual experience. And then you go, I just don't know why they're so, well, the outside influence of a school. So we just take that and just keep multiplying it. You're at an office eight hours a day, nine hours a day, ten hours a day, whatever it may be. And you're around people that <clears throat> they may say they know God, but, you know, I, I, I'm going to kick a cow. You know, you, you're having a bad day or whatever, and you go, I'm just going to put some music on. So you pop in your earphones, and the next thing you're listening to is that there's a tear in your beer, or, you know, your wife done left you, or, you know, how many know what backmasking is when you play a record backwards? So if you do that to a country song, you know, you get your dog back, your house back, your car back, all that stuff, right? So... <laughs> But we put our, we're, we're flooding ourselves with all this imagery, with all these things, right? And then we come to church for an hour. And, and don't get me wrong, I understand people have schedules and stuff. Please don't take this as, a, as a, a smack or anything. But sometimes people will come in. I say, be blessed, have a great week, and they're out, right? And they don't establish any kind of, and, and my wife's going to absolutely kill me for saying this, but... I don't, I, I'm okay with you hanging out, getting to know somebody. Now, there might be a time where I flick the lights like in the, you know, theater to let you know it's time to go, right? Maybe y'all should take that to Colton's or, you know, <laughs> somewhere else, right? But we should be, hey, I don't know you, right? And we endeavor to try to do some of those things throughout the year. Like we'll have, when it starts getting a little nicer weather, we'll have some outside events and, and people go, well, you know, I just don't want to, I don't want to go and I want to be, you know, bother, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, you're, you're missing out on this opportunity to get to know one another, right? Um, I encourage you guys to bring people into your groups, right? Um, I'll say this. This is not in my notes, but <clears throat> we've been talking about, I feel like the Lord has got us in kind of a, um, when I say us, Christians abroad, not just Jubilee, in a season. Now understand that when, we, when I say season, I'm not talking about true Hebraic understanding of feast and, and lunar and all that kind of, I'm talking about Western understanding spring, summer, winter, fall, okay? January started it. I believe it ends in the end of March, um, but he's preparing us. He's dealing with some deep issues that we need to deal with. Um, he's calling a lot of us to fast, He's calling us to do some things that we haven't done before, coming and spending time with him, um, very intentional. Um, I believe this all correlates to um, 
last days when he wants to pour out his spirit, but he needs people that know how to steward that and won't touch his glory. They won't be in the way. And so he's saying, I need to deal with you on some things. Um, I was talking to Eva, was telling me about some experiences she had. I had, um, um, let's see, three people, four people in the last couple of days that has said, hey, um, man, I just feel like the Lord's calling me to fast, and I'm not for sure about this and that and the other thing. And I'm like, yes, you know, and one call, man, the Lord's really dealing with me about this. And, and he's just saying, and I'm like, dude, you're, you're, you're right on. You're right on. And so um, we need each other. We need each other to be around each other, people that, have, that are like-minded. So when we go, oh, they kind of get where we're coming from, right? If you go to someone that's never fasted before or whatever, and the Bible says you don't have to tell everybody you're fasting. But sometimes, you know, in the heat of battle, let me tell you if you know if your fast is working. Sometimes. <clears throat> if you haven't fasted in a while and you go to a fast, and it seems like everybody's on your nerves and you want to kill everybody, your fast is working, okay? <laughs> All of the stuff is coming to the top, okay? And you got to deal with it, right? But we talked about this too. There again, didn't intend to get on this subject, but of fasting. Fasting, biblical fasting is to abstain from food, period. Okay? It's not anything else. I hear people say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast the Super Bowl. I'm going to fast. You know, I don't even like football. I used to have a cousin... I used to have a cousin. I still have the cousin. I have a cousin in the Methodist church, and they do Lent. And uh, every year he would give up something that he didn't do anyway. And I'm like, well, what kind of sacrifice is that? Right? But um, so I tell people all the time, those things are good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast Facebook. No, you're going to sacrifice Facebook. You're going to give that up. You're going to put it away for a while. You're not fasting it, okay? To fast is to simply to do without food, abstain from food. Here's the key. If you do not replace your food with the Word of God, whether that be reading on your face, worship, whatever, you're just on a hunger strike, okay? I'm not trying to be mean. I just want you to know that, you know, if you're going to fast, fast, all right? I'll tell you this too. Um, demonic activity is attracted to fast because they understand the implications, like what happens there. I mean, fasting is, a, is a, an amazing tool um, that you can find a whole lot of benefits in, right? We don't fast to get God's attention, um, so to speak, that kind of thing. We fast to get closer to God. Um, I asked God one time about fasting, about getting more power. <clears throat> he said, son, you got all the power you're going to get. Um, the problem is, is that remember Jesus said, I don't do anything that I don't see my father do or hear him speak, right? So fasting helps us to quieten down all the distractions from around us and we can pick out his voice, what he's actually saying. So, all right, enough of that. So, uh, on, your, on page 116, it talks about, first paragraph, um, talks a little bit about the church, what it really means, that it does, it's not a building, right? That we're the church. It literally means an assembly of people together for the purpose of worship or prayer or praise uh, or just looking unto God. So when we get together, that corporate body, let me tell you this, <clears throat> all through Scripture in the Old Testament, when people were together, when they began to walk around Jericho, that was, that was a congregation of believers. That was a corporate anointing that came at that time, okay? So remember the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit fell on people. Now he lives inside of us, right? He's, on, he's, he's in me. 
or he's on me for you, he's in me for everybody else, right? He's helping me live out this Christian walk. He's helping me do the things that I need to do that God is asking me to do. He's the, the power behind that, all right? Now, <clears throat> um, right here, the primary purpose of the early New Testament church was edification. Why do you think that was important? What's that? They were being persecuted. There was some persecution going on. They were young, right? They were trying to, I mean, imagine this. We've been here, you know, some of us a little longer than others, okay? But uh, as, yes, as a human race, you know, since Adam, right? And so there's been a lot of things that's been taking place. And so they did not have the advantage of the scriptures that we do, right? Um, the New Testament, so to speak. Uh, they're, they're having to figure, they had the Torah, those kinds of things, right? So they're trying to figure these things out. Um, they needed to be edified. They're, I mean, we, we just read, you know, we were talking about Sunday in Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 2. Apparently there was some erroneous teaching that was going on and Paul had to come down and say, hey, listen, if you get a letter that looks like it's signed by me, take no heed of that, Okay. I, I, don't you remember the last time I was here? I told you about all this stuff, and this is what was going to happen, da 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 So there was some false prophecy or some, some words that was going out that weren't right. So he had to, I mean, even then, I mean, that's, that's a pretty, that's the early church, right? Not an early church, it was the early church. So he's saying, get yourselves together. <clears throat> edify one another. Build each other up. Love on one another. Especially when you saw this, see this time drawing near. Um, as a body, we have someone that gets sick or whatever. We can kind of take care of them. I can tell you right now that there's people in other churches that are sick that need somebody to help them out, and we don't know nothing about them because we're not gathered with them. We don't know that, right? That church body hopefully is taking care of that, right? So um, I have, I've heard people, um, we haven't had this happen here, but I've, I've heard of people that say, well, um, I'm a member of that church down there, and nobody, nobody came to see me. Well, <clears throat> what they failed to tell you was that, yeah, I'm a member there, but I ain't been there in 18 years. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, I mean, brother, I'm sorry about that, but what do you want me to do, right? And it's not that we don't care. It's just that, man, you, you know how it is when you're running a family and you've got kids and you're trying to take care of family and all that kind of stuff, and you just can't do all the things, amen? That's why the early churches, they, they established these deacons, if you will, these servants, right? And they said, hey, we need to make sure that all the widows are being taken care of, that they're getting their food allotment and that everything's happening like it's supposed to and people that may have needs, so we've got people that can pray for them so that we can do what we need to be doing, right? And that sounds a little egotistical, but it's like, no, that's, that's what we needed to be doing. We're, we're the ones that's been setting this place to be the ones that's giving you the meat, so to speak. So we need you to kind of take this off your plate. If we've ever understood, my, my grandmother used to say, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. <clears throat> well, here we are. <laughs> we're running like chicken with our heads cut off. I mean, we're going to, like I said, work, school, functions every night of the week. And then when somebody says something about church, ah, man, I'm just too tired. We weren't too tired to, you know, I was telling this, this gentleman today, the Lord's been kind of got me in this really crazy, I'm an early riser anyway, but usually somewhere between about 5 and 5.30 is when I wake up. And for the last couple of days, he's 
he woke me up um, at 227 this morning and at 444. 444, I finally got up. I was like, okay, God, I got you, I got you right? I'm a little older. Sometimes I get up in the middle of the night and it's not to pray, okay? But, but when I woke up this morning, I had this, like, at, at 227, I was kind of like, it's 227, okay? And, I, and I, I go through all the checklists. Do I need to go to the bathroom? Do I need to get a drink? You know, what? All that was good. And so I kind of laid back down and went to sleep again. And then I woke up again, like I said, 444. And when I woke up at 444, I realized, wait a minute. <clears throat> you know when you're sleeping and you wake up and you're kind of a little groggy still? And you're kind of like, oh, man, where's the door? Where's, you know, where is everything? When I woke up, I woke up like, okay. And so it was like the Lord saying, hey, come on, I need to talk to you. Come on, let's, let's go deal with some stuff. Like, okay. So 444, I up out of bed. Well... I was telling a gentleman this who had called me and was asking me about fasting and stuff. And I said, hey, here's the deal. I said, the Lord's got me in this place too. And, and I said, I don't think this, this is, you know, I think as Christians, we've got to take the word coincidence out of our vocabulary, right? Um, the Lord's doing something. He's, he's, he's moving on us, right? And I said, all the years that I grew up hunting, I didn't have a problem getting out of bed at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning gather all my stuff, go get in a car, go sit in a tree stand in the complete dark waiting on a deer. Why would I be like, oh, God, please, could I get 30 more minutes? Right? How selfish of me. And, uh, and I'm a morning person. I do a lot better in the morning. I would much rather get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and work till noon than get up at 10 and work till 4 or 5. Right? I mean, I'm kind of, after lunch, I'm kind of checked out. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I do my best studying in the morning and all that kind of stuff. And there's, I know there's owl people out there. We got to have watchmen that can do those night hours too. Amen. Whew. Thank you. Thank you for those. So, but I just want to throw that out there that this is what I'm talking about. I believe the Lord's got us in this season. Don't, don't forsake getting together. Don't, don't say, well, that's not important. No, these are important days. These are very important days for us to be like encouraging. I am ready and I'm excited about the times well, we're going to be like, okay, today we're going to find out what happened this week. All right? All right, you start. You know, well, today I was at work and a guy fell off a ladder and his broken, his bone stuck out. And we prayed for him. It came back in and healed up. And prayed. I mean, you guys are looking at me like, what? No, I'm, I'm talking about like, you know, hey, I was, I was at Walmart. A dude passed out. They said he's having a heart attack. And I just reached down and put my hand on his head. I said, what's his name? Alfred, Alfred. Alfred, come back. And Jesus, the guy got up, man. I mean, he's like. We're talking about this stuff, right? We're encouraging one another that, hey, this stuff is happening, right? I mean, we, uh, <clears throat> I remember a story about a uh, pastor that we used to go to a lot of his conferences, and he was talking about children. And he said, we learned that you don't ever give a kid a microphone, right? Always hold the microphone because when the kid gets it, it's over, right? And so he's talking about they had a healing line for kids one day, and they're going through, and, you know, hey, you know, what do you need prayer for? And they're going down through there, and, and um Two things happened. It said this one little girl, um, she said, um, yeah, she said, um, and she did her arms out like this, and there's little dots just all over her arms, like, like you took a red Sharpie and just dotted her arms, a couple on her neck. And he said, uh, he said, honey, said, what do we need to pray for? And she said, well, she said, at my house, we got these piss ants, and they got on me, and them little piss ants just bit me all over the place. And, of course, everybody started laughing, right? And so they get down about three or four more kids, and they get this little boy. He said, what do you need to pray? He said, well, them same piss ants that got on my sister, them, them things got on me. Everybody starts laughing, right? So he's like, don't give kids the microphone, right? Maybe even uh, 
say, okay, wait, what, what's your prayer request? <laughs> okay, here's what's happening. But they went to a little boy, and they said, what do you need prayer for? And he raised his hand up, and he had got his finger um, cut off. And I don't remember exactly. They, they said what happened, but basically it just took his, his, not his whole fingernail, but like about half his fingernail and half that finger, and it just it came off. So he was in a little bandage thing, and um, so he said, what do you need? And he said, well, I need to pray for my finger. And so they did, and I mean, they prayed. And while they were praying, his finger grew back. And so when they took the little thing off to see, um, they were like, oh, my gosh, you got, you got a new finger. The adults, Wah! they're going nuts, right? And the little boy tugs on the man's pants and says, hey. And he's like, yeah, he said, ain't that what's supposed to happen? <laughs> yeah, faith of a child, right? Ain't that what's supposed to happen? I mean, we should be walking in those, the miraculous as normal, right? I want to encourage you. I mean, here's the thing. We're talking about stories. I've got stories sitting in a lady's house and her ears, you know, she's, she's deaf in, in her ear. We thought, we prayed for it. She hears and she tells us afterwards, hey, I didn't tell you, but I'm 100% deaf in this ear and I can hear out of this ear now. So it was abundantly above all that we could ask or think, right? Um, seeing a man's eyes um, get vision, right? All these things. We're, we're, these are all of our stories, right? And we're talking about, too, about some things that other people have seen, right? But I'm, I'm ready for our stories. I'm ready to have a page on the website that's like, here's the testimonies of the week, right? I came in. I had this. I had that. Whatever. The Lord met me, healed me, set me free, delivered me, whatever it may be, right? And here we are. I was talking about um, uh, a guy. I was reading a book one time, and he had gone to... Um, the store to get donuts 10 o'clock, at, 9 o'clock at night, okay? Because everybody gets donuts at 9 o'clock at night. This was in California. And he walked in the store, and as he's walking through there, he sees a little lady in one of them little scooters. And so he goes over to her and he says, hey, can I, can I pray for you? And said, yes. And so um, he said, what's the matter? She said, well, my hip hurts. I'll make a really long story, um, not quite as long. And so he, uh, he said, he pr I prayed for her and nothing changed. He said, so I, then, I gave her about a three-minute uh, gospel, right? I told her about the good news, and I told her about Jesus healing. And so he said, I prayed for her again, and I said, is it better? And she said, well, I don't know. He said, well, let's stand up. She said, well, it might hurt. He said, well, let's check it out. So she stands up, and, and she realizes that my hip, my hip doesn't hurt. And so she's like, oh, my goodness. And so they're up kind of by the front, by the cashier, you know, place. And the lady says, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And the man that prays for her says, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And the little clerk lady, she's looking at this. She goes, oh, my God. They were all in agreement. It was God. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and so the, the guy says, hey, can I have your little microphone thing? And the lady <laughs> puts it down there. And he's like, uh, hey, uh, we're praying for people up here at the front. So if you're in the store and you need prayer, you know, come on up. And he's like, people are pushing carts, like looking down the aisle, like, what, are they serious? So about 10 or so people come to the front and they're talking about all these things that's going on. Like what, this lady, and she's telling her testimony. Yeah, my hip, man. So this guy comes pushing through the crowd and he says, I'm a concert pianist and I have carpal tunnel. He's got bandages on his hands. He says, can your God heal me? Do you hear the faith? Can your God heal me? And he says, let's pray. So they begin to pray for him, and he starts saying, my hands, my hands are on fire. And the guy was telling him, he said, we tell our people fire is good, you know. This man gets instantaneously healed of carpal tunnel disease right there. 
and everybody's like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. He said, I started to walk out the store and I thought, this is like in Bible days. So he whips around and he says, hey, is there anybody here that wants to know this Jesus that we've been talking about that healed this lady's hip and healed this man's car? And like three people. He's like, let's pray. So he gathers them up and they pray. He goes home and eats his donuts. Christianity 101, right? And we're like, oh my goodness. So how does that relate to church? Well, another story. So that same pastor was relating that story. They had gone to another church in another state. And there was a boy there that had club feet. So bad that he had calluses on the top of his feet where his feet would drag because his feet were turned so hard inward and, and under, okay? And so they had a, a healing line, and they're going to pray for this little boy, and they're praying for him. And I think he was three or four. I can't remember. And they were praying for him. And as they began to pray for him, his legs straightened out. And so one of his little buddies that was with him whispered in his ears and said, Run. And the little boy took off. Shoom, around the, like this boy couldn't walk, okay? Uh, he did, but he it was very exaggerated. And so this little boy takes off running around the uh, church. Unbeknownst to them, there was a lady who was visiting, thank you, that day, and just my left side right there, I feel like I've got this, you know, it's just a feeling, I guess, but um, the lady was sitting in the service, she was brand new, a visitor that day, dropped her kids off in the nursery, teller room, whatever, and she's watching this happen, happened to be a believer, she saw this and she said, Lord, if you've done that for him, you'll do that for my little boy because he had club feet too. So service goes on. She goes to get her little boy in the nursery. Guess what? He's walking. His feet are fine. Nobody prayed for him. Just it was the overflow of God, right? So he comes back and he tells his church about this, right? Hey, I was at this church. Here's what happened. There's another lady sitting in the service. And she calls her mother along just his way and says, hey, I want you to believe right now. And she named the kids. This kid ends up getting healed. Why? Because they came to church? No, it was the glory of God. But I'm saying they were in a place that they're hearing, their faith is built up, and they're like, they got exhorted. <laughs> they got encouraged. They got, there's hope here, right? And so they grabbed hold of that. And they're like, yes, yes, yes. So that's what we're saying. If we come to church, if it's small groups, whatever it is, we're coming together as a collective body, as a group of believers, and we're sharing our testimonies. We're sharing the things that's happening to us, and we're encouraging one another. Amen? That's, that's what we're supposed to be doing. The people, um, <clears throat> remember back in Jesus' day, they didn't have Facebook, right? And have the internet, all that kind of stuff, right? I would tell a really bad joke, but I'm not going to do that right here about the fastest form of communication. But, huh? Okay. Now, all the women, y'all have heard this, huh? I'm just kidding. Um, so, there again, as we see the day approaching, as sin abounds, the grace of God much, uh, does much more abound. Grace is going to abound within these assemblies of God's people. I, I do 
believe that. I, I'm not saying that God's grace doesn't work outside the church. That's not what I'm saying. As a matter of fact, it needs to work outside the church. Amen? But it is going to work inside the church as well. Um, but there's going to have to be people that are willing to hear about it, maybe trained up in some of these things, so they can go out and do the work of the ministry. And so I believe, like I said, this season that we're in, God's got us here. He's working on some things. He's fixing some things up. And then comes March, uh, the end of March. And then we hit April. So uh, understand this, too, that at the end of March this year is Resurrection Sunday. All right? So we're going to come right out. I mean, what a more (laughs) fabulous place for God to be like, here you go. Remember, we're in the year of the pitcher, right? The the Hebraic uh, um, um, illustration is a pitcher, a cop. And so we're in that pitcher. I believe it's being poured out at that time. All the stuff that's in there, God's going to pour that out. Open door 24. Um, all of those things. And then we have this amazing cosmic event coming in April. Right? Um, they're talking about right now that Arkansas will be 95% dark um, when this uh, thing, thing comes. Um, I'm sorry? Something like that. Um, I'll tell you this. Um, we are, when I say we are, let me, let me uh, back up a little bit. So Shane, um, who is our uh, security guy here, he was actually in the one in Oregon in 2017. And so he actually um, was um, security on a university campus. And there was a lot of, it took him, uh, I can't remember. I want to I say it, he said it took him like four or five hours to get home, which was like a 10-minute trip. We're anticipating Interstate 40 to be shut down for a while. While these four times the amount of the population of Arkansas is expected to be in Arkansas. All right? Huh? Yeah, NASA's coming. They're setting up in Russellville. They're, they're going to be deceiving down there. I mean, uh, setting up there. I just threw that in for y'all. Yes. It's, um, you know, people say, well, there's nothing to that whole full moon thing. Well, just ask a nurse, right? Yeah. I mean, there, I mean, there's spiritual activity going on, right? I mean, yes, ma'am. I got the slideshow. The emergency management slideshow. <laughs> what? Got the video of you being tased. Food. Yeah. Probably... Um, maybe even a week before this event because people are going to start coming in. Um, Motel 6 is charging $1,000 a night and there's not a room in Arkansas. Yeah, three night minimum. Yeah, there are no RV places. Go, go call somebody and say, I want an RV uh, place for, you know, such and such day. Yeah, yeah. Um, we may, um, I don't know. I, I won't do it on a Sunday, but if you guys are interested in it, I'll, I'll show you. The Arkansas Emergency Management has put out a slideshow um, and that they're taking to all their county agencies. Yeah. They're taking to all their county agencies and showing them, like, what to expect. Now, here's the thing. you got to remember, they're only looking at it from, they even talk about, like, man, this is going to be a boom for our economy. Well, if you ain't got no bread to sell, it ain't going to be. I mean, <laughs> If you ain't got no gas to put in their tanks, it's not going to be, right? I mean, those tanks will only hold so much. Yeah. Yeah. So he said that the interstate there in, in Oregon, and, and they didn't have as many back roads as we do. Now, there again, you can talk about people coming in from out of state and stuff, right? But um, their interstates were moving about 100 yards every two hours. 
there was sometimes where they were actually out of their cars on picnic blankets yeah. just hanging out because they didn't have anything else to do. Um, so we'll probably shut the school down that day, maybe even the day after, because that's what we're talking about. Like the day of, it's at 1 o'clock, and it's not supposed to leave for, what is it, like till 7 or something, 6-something? I can't remember the time frames. But most, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a few hours, yeah. Eighth, that's a Tuesday, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> we knew there were strange things going on, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's only going to be a, so the whole thing, like on the United States map, if you will, is that long, but it's only going to be, yeah, total darkness for nine or, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Russellville, Ozark, all of them already have. Yeah. Um, and they told them, hey, here's where the main... So let me say all this. They're looking at the ramifications and impacts on us, like monetarily, physically, all that kind of stuff, right? I mean, you just thought the uh, toilet paper uh, thing for COVID was bad, right? So it goes all the way to... Um, is it um, Montana? I can't remember where exactly. But the, the significance is, is 2017, it started in Salem, Oregon, went through seven states. Every state it went through, it passed a, a city called Salem until it left at um, uh, Fort um, Sumner, which is where the Civil War started. And so the prophetic utterances were, peace, 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 Civil War. So now it's coming in. At Eagle Pass, Texas, which is what we have going on right now, is, is basically a civil war. You've got Texas saying, hey, federal government, you're not going to come down here and tell us. You won't protect our border, blah, blah, blah. You've got other states going, yeah, we're going to help you. So you have potential for some unrest. But then it takes off and it goes across the United States and it crosses over the 2017 eclipse at a little place in um, Illinois called uh, Little Egypt. And so there's a lot of prophetic things coming out about that. So I have my own opinions, but we'll talk about those later. Yes, ma'am. Um, we'll send it to Channel 5. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so does anybody understand the significance of what that possibly is? Everybody knows the story of Jonah? But do you know what we know about the story of Jonah? While he was preaching, there was a total solar eclipse. While he was preaching. 791 B.C., so they can go back and they can get very precise, like it was like July or something. I mean, so while Jonah gets spit out of the well, and he's like, repent. Imagine behind him the sun, the moon, going, whoa. People are like, okay. <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> right? So that's what we're looking at. We're looking at, we're going to have bottled water on hand. Um, I'm not going to put this on the, on the video or the tape, but we're going to have... Uh, so in case anybody needs that kind of stuff, you know, um, some food supplies, that kind of stuff. Because people may get stuck right there. And if they do, we're like, hey, man, do you know Jesus? Like, they ain't going to run from you. <laughs> right? <laughs> Where are you going to go? Um, <clears throat> yes, yes. One of the interesting things is, is that it happens on April the 8th, 4-8. And Exodus 4-8 says, if they don't believe the first sign, they'll believe the second. You know, so there's a lot of there's a lot of prophetic things there. And don't don't hear me wrong. I'm not prophesying these things. I'm not saying these are what's gonna happen. I'm just saying, whoo, you start looking at some of these things, you're like, okay, 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 what are you doing, Lord? What are you doing? Right? Right after right after we've come out of this season where he's like, Hey, you know, how do we know that 
our story don't start right there on Interstate 40 when people are like, well, my daughter, man, she's sick, and I don't know how to, we can't get an ambulance to her, whatever. It's okay, man, we got this. You know, I mean, well, I don't know. I'm just talking off the top of my head here, but hey, you're going to get good. I know that. Yes, ma'am. You didn't wake everybody in the house up, did you? Amen. I agree. I agree. Here's the thing. Here's the thing we have to be careful of, that we're not talking about it and we're not doing it. Remember we talked about faith. Jesus talking to us through the word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And then what the whole idea of the Shema was, Shema, Shema, we Israel. So the Hebrew understanding was you did not separate hearing from obedience. You didn't separate them. It, they, were, they were coexistent, if you will. To hear and to obey, that was the Shema. And that's what he's saying. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We hear what God says, we do what he says, and as we do what he says, this faith comes behind it, right? And it, and it, it connects with our faith. And so we got to be careful that we don't just simply talk about these things, but we actually begin to actually shema, right? So in this, I, man, I didn't intend to do this, but have y'all heard um, there was a prophecy that came out of um, Nevada about Arkansas? Did y'all see that? Okay, let me see if I can pull it up. It's really good. Huh? Arkansas. This is a this is a girl, but she fired up. Okay, Arkansas. Arkansas, oh Arkansas, let a violent rushing wind of the spirit blow over Arkansas. Breathe your breath, oh God. The tribes awaken across the state. I heard the Lord say, I will not pass you by if you cry out. Arkansas is not forgotten by the Lord. While others around you have been blessed with moves of the spirit. See if I can see if it, what the work with me. I'm sorry. Hang on, just a second. Um, a young lady at a church. Um, if I can, okay. It is at um, Fresh Start Church, and it's in Nevada. Uh, and it was four days ago. It's, well, let me rephrase that. Four days was when it was posted, so I don't know if it was literally four days ago, if it was a, if it was a week, a Sunday. It looks like some kind of a, a church service that's going on, so it was probably a Sunday. So uh, probably 
a week ago Sunday, maybe. I don't, I don't know. But I, I didn't think it was any coincidence that <clears throat> we're talking about abortion now, right, again. They're trying to get it back onto the Constitution. Uh, I don't know if y'all heard uh, Christy talking about it, but right now we're number one pro-life state in America. And if this passes, we'll, we'll move to the bottom of the list. We'll be number 50. You don't think Arkansas is strategic? I mean, we just think, you know, I'm from Arkansas, you know. We're just Arkansas. But there's been so many prophecies that have been told. You know, Corey Timboom, uh, John, um, help me, uh, Russellville, when he was at Russellville. Prophesied, I played it Sunday. Or John, yeah. Yeah. John, uh, I won't say R not, that's not right. Uh, John, um, yeah, we'll figure it out what his name is. But uh, Kim Clement talked about Arkansas. Um, just a lot of people that were talking about Arkansas. And uh, why not? Why not? We're right in the middle of the country, right? And so we'll just, we'll send this stuff out north, south, east, and west. And yeah. I mean, the Lord may bring us a bunch of people right here, uh, April 8th. <laughs> here, here's a few hundred. Go ahead. Have your way. Right? So we'll be like, okay, uh, let's do it. I think that we're going to have to get into a place where there again, going back to the church thing, right? I mean, we're encouraging each other. Who in their right mind would just be like, I mean, I never would have if I'm, if I'm by myself, if I'm just like, okay, it's me and I've got to make a decision, I never would have thought about Interstate 40 stopping. But because I have a relationship with Shane, he's like, well, hey, I went through one of these, and here's what happened. And then I get this, um, another lady that I know says, hey, we just got this emergency management thing. Do you want it? And I said, sure. So she shares it with me, and I'm like, wow, that's crazy. Now, the emergency management is not talking about this, but let me say this. There are a lot of witches and occultic things that are looking for this eclipse, okay? I don't know if you, and I don't want to get into a whole bunch of this tonight because it, it'll take the rest of our evening, but <clears throat> there was a reason that Albert Pike came to Fort Smith. Do y'all who know who Albert Pike is? One of the founders of the Freemasons, okay? He talked about this power triangle that was here um, for the occultic activity, all right? Um, if you go up into the Harrison region in that area, there's a lot of covenants up there, okay? A lot of witches, witch uh, covenants and things. So, I mean, there's some stuff here, right? But we, we can't be afraid of that anymore, right? We have to understand. I was telling somebody today, if you do not understand the scripture that says, if you drink any deadly thing, <laughs> when you're praying over your food, when you're asking God to bless it, Deuteronomy says that if you'll serve me, I'll remove all these diseases from you, from your water and from your bread, you better be making those <laughs> proclamations over you, right? I mean, uh, the, the, the stuff that we're getting fed and things. Yes, sir. Part of the Holy Spirit's job is to bring to our remembrance the Word. You, know, you got you to get it in you, right? You got to hear it. You got to read it. You got to meditate on all those things. Yes, ma'am. In case anybody wants to know, that was John Kilpatrick. Kilpatrick, thank you. Big word about the Lord's. Uh, uh, Russellville, wasn't it? I think it was Russellville. But he said that the, the Lord says that there's no, um, not coincidence, but coincidence that I named you Arkansas. 
And uh, as Noah looked out of the ark, you know, and all this kind of, he built an ark for him. And all this, I mean, there's a lot of, there was a lot of prophetic stuff in that too. But um, why not us? Just ask the question. We're supposed to be reminded, like I said, of the word, right? So when you see these things, I mean, um, probably everybody in here at some point in time has seen someone that didn't look like you, right? I mean, especially if they're in the occult. Um, I did not realize, I'll be a little transparent here, um, uh, Sunday we're going to be talking about uh, the last days, and we're going to break that down to what it's actually talking about there, Okay. And in one of them, uh, one of the things um, that it talks about is that um, cutting, people will be cutting. And uh, I mean, for that to be something that was back in the day, but um, interesting, we think of, of cutting, and it is, um, but there's another type of cutting. When you pierce your body to its fullest, that's a type of cutting. And I was like, boo, Okay. And uh, so they were talking about like, you know, some of the really bad example here, but some of all you men are going to be like, yeah, I remember that thing in Spartan um, when Xerxes is up there and he's got all those things in his face and his head. And, you know, I mean, if you do some historical research, he, he was like that. He had all those gold and silver and stuff all in his face. You know, I mean, he had chains. I'm, I'm thinking... This guy's easily defeated, you know. <laughs> ah! <laughs> Maybe not. I'm just thinking, you know, kind of militarily here. But, um, but we're seeing all these things in our schools, um, in our, you know, county, in our city, our county, our state, all these things. You know, we called it out one Sunday, right? And we've got people coming up that, you know, hey, yeah. Um, it's demonic. We've got to quit. We've got to quit being passive um, with the enemy's vices, devices, right? And the strategies. Well, I think kind of, no, it's demonic. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, that's what I, I, we're, we're talking one day, you know, the Bible says to get rid of malice, anger. It doesn't say manage it. Don't go to someone and be like, well, I need to learn how to manage. I'm sending you to anger management. Well, that's going to last for a day or two or a week maybe. No, it says get rid of it. The, the word there's strong, kill it, is what it means. Kill that off. You got to die to yourself every day. And we don't like that because we, we like our comforts and, you know, all those kinds of things. But God, look at, you know, I wonder how many of us would look like the rich young ruler. You go, well, I'm not rich. Yeah, but if Jesus told you to sell everything and give it to the poor and come follow him, would you? And we go, well, I, uh-huh, you know. It's um, Alex, you know, had his new little baby girl. So I was talking to him a little bit. And I said, man, things are changing, aren't they? And he's like, oh my gosh, dad. I was like, yeah. You start thinking about the father's love. And I said, let me ask you a question. Would you let Adelie die for me? And he's like, uh, put him on the spot, right? And he's like, uh, I'm like, I don't think you would. And he's like, I know. And I'm, I'm even thinking like her mom. I'm like, yeah. And yet here's God, right? And he sends his son to die for us. And we kind of live this life that's kind of flippant about it, you know, it's kind of like, well, you know, I, yeah, maybe I will, and that's what I'm saying, I think God's calling us right now, and he's saying, hey, I need you to, I need you to put your big boy pants on, right, I need you to put your big girl pants on, and we gotta, we gotta make some decisions here, 
Um, but we're going to talk about that the, the last days and kind of what that looks like. And, and if you can't see by where we're at, that, you know, now, what are they? I'm not putting a number on that. I'm not saying we're, you know, hey, the last three, three more years, we're out of here. Uh, there is some uh, things that talk about certain dates and all that kind of stuff. Um, not that I don't put a whole lot of emphasis on that, but um, I don't want to ever try to say, well, it's going to be on this date or whatever. I think there's some things that we can look at. Um, 120 Jubilee years on earth, we're coming to the end of that. I think there's some things that God says, I want you to know. It's approaching. It's approaching quickly. Right? I can say this with all matter of fact. You cannot disprove this, but we are closer today than we've ever been. <laughs> and tomorrow I'll make that statement again. Because <laughs> we're not getting further away, I guarantee you that. Right? Um, what did I have here? Um, oh, talking about the, the, the parts of, of ministry in the church, like I said, pastor, preacher, apostle, prophet, um, the gifts of the Spirit, there again, I believe that for the body, when we come together as the body corporately, um, this should be somewhat of a safe place for us to quote-unquote practice, right? Uh, meaning, um, if you feel like that you operate in certain gifts or whatever, right? Maybe you need to receive some training. Um, in those small groups, you may not be able to get that, Right? And what I'm saying by that is if you're meeting with three or four people and that's it, I don't know if you're going to get all those trainings. But when you come to a larger gathering and you have already established people who are operating in those things, then maybe they can take you aside. They can mentor you in those things, right? Um, maybe somebody's sitting here and they go, well, I thought I had a word Sunday, but I wasn't for sure, right? And so... We're encouraging people, yeah, if you, if you feel like you have that, let, then let's give it. Let's, let's, let's judge it. And here's the thing. Unfortunately, sometimes in churches, people have been like, the word comes forth and it's like, hang on. We, we've got to be a little bit, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that a pastor can't know that something is erroneous or whatever. But at the same time, we've got to give people a place to use their gifts and if we need to make corrections or whatever, we can. Does that make sense? And not be so harsh like somebody made a mistake and so therefore you can never give another. It's like, stop. Everybody has to learn. We're all going through this thing together. Just some of us are maybe a little bit in a different place, right? We may be a little ahead. We may be a little behind. Might be right next to you. I don't, I don't know. But, but we're walking through this thing. I know this. As long as we can always go back to Scripture, if we're going, what's, what's not right here? If we can go back to Scripture, we're going to be okay. If we start using our own ideas, our own emotions and all that stuff, we're going to flake off. And they're going to call you the granola church, a bunch of nuts and flakes, all right? A few raisins. Um, I thought some of these questions that they asked were a little bit um, interesting, shall I say. Um, oh, by the way, teacher, preacher. You know, we have a lot, of, a lot of those guys are seen, you know, the prophets and apostles and all that kind of stuff. Not so much, always. Um, but I heard someone talking about, well, preacher, teacher, you know, what's the difference? A teacher, or excuse me, a preacher is someone who is uh, encouraging you or giving you a proclamation, okay? We want you to go do this, uh, for lack of a better illustration, like a coach, all right? 
hey guys, we've practiced, uh, we've got the plays down, now we've got to execute, right? We've got to, we've got to make this thing happen, and I know you guys can, I know you can do it, so come on, one, two, three, go God, let's get it, right? And so they, they're inspiring us to go do something, right? Remember the Titans. So you're like, what? What's the Titan? A teacher, on the other hand, is someone who can show or explain. So you can see where these two can cross over one another, right? Um, I heard somebody uh, talking about, you know, well, preacher better, teacher better, all that stuff. It's like, there again, it's like the spiritual gifts. What's the best gift? The one you need at that time. Right? If you if you got illness in your body, you know, what gift do you, do you want to see manifest? Gift of healing, right? I mean, so... That's what I'm saying. Sometimes there's times that we, that we preach. There's sometimes times that we teach. There's sometimes, there again, I see small groups. I see home groups more along the teaching setting because it's kind of like this where we can get a group of people together and we can reason the scriptures a little more easily than we can on, on say, a Sunday. Right? So I just want to make that little uh, delineation, if you will. Um, Four things, um, or what four things did the early church continue to do? Teaching. Fellowship. My favorite, breaking a bread and sharing in communion and prayer. Um, is it interesting, even world leaders, when they get together, what do they do? They eat. Right? I mean, this is a biblical principle. Like, men would sit down, and they would eat, and they would discuss. The Jewish meal sometimes would last four to five hours. It wasn't a quick, you know, let's have a, a hamburger helper, you know, and then we'll all go our separate ways. I mean, when they came together that evening for that meal, they always, their houses were always open to, to guests showing up, but they would sit, and they would eat, and they would begin to talk about the day, the, the unfolding of the day, if you will, what was going on. You know, there was a reading of the Torah. All these things was meant to edify the family, to keep the family together. And now we don't hardly ever eat together, right? We're, we're all over the place. Uh, we, we do good to eat sometimes, right? You go home, you, you know, jump in bed, and you're like, oh, I'm going to do this all over again tomorrow. And that's a, that's a wrong kind of a attitude. I think part of this season that we're in is God saying, hey, will you slow down? Will you, will you slow down? Because if you don't slow down, you may miss me. Because, I, you know, it's not that God's always moving, but he's like, I've got this time set aside for you, and I want you to come and, and eat. I want you to come eat from my table. I want you to drink. You know, if we're eating and drinking from the Lord's table, we're probably going to be okay. If we don't, uh, I think that's where people are probably going to run into some some troubles. I don't know how you're going to make it. Let me just—I I don't know how any other way to say it than that is that if you don't make that a priority, it's going to be a rough ride. So, um, eight different gifts that God's placed in His church. That's a uh, number five: apostles, prophets, teachers, uh, those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, helps those with gifts of administration. And those who speak in unknown tongues. You know, if this list right here uh, doesn't help you understand that there are no insignificant gifts. The gifts of administration, right? 
like we think, what's that? Exactly what it says is how to make things flow, how to put things together, how to administrate. I mean, what does an administrator do? They take, they take, sometimes they take care of the, the fine details of things, right? Um, you've got all these things, and, and if we're not careful, so going back to the gifts of the Spirit a little bit, the Bible talks about no one has them all, right? But it, we can all operate them in at some point in time, right? Because it's the Holy Spirit who gives that gift at that moment, right? But the reason we don't operate in all the gifts is because if we did, I wouldn't have need for you. And I need you, and you need me. And you need my gift, and I need your gift if we're gonna accomplish this thing. That's why the Lord puts people together and says, hey, that's why, I mean, just look at the marriage covenant, right? The two shall become one. And, and if you look at that whole idea, what God was doing when he built woman, she was gonna be by his side, a helpmate. She was going to come alongside him and she was going to compliment him. And he would compliment her too, right? But it was this unique um, putting together, if you will, that God said, this is what I'm going to establish my church on. I'm going to, this is how I'm going to do this. Um, I told you, you know, militarily, we know that um, when they were sending people out singularly, the, the mission was not getting accomplished. But when they started doing it in twos, man, they started seeing this huge success rate because now the pressure is not me, the pressure is us. And if you know, if you've ever been on a prayer group or anything like that, and you're out and you're talking to somebody, or, you, or just maybe somebody comes up and wants to talk to you, if you've got a friend there, they may not even know nothing. Well, I'll just say it this way. You've got some hunters out here, right? And you hunters got little small children, and you're afraid of the dark. But when you got your kid with you, you're like, man, come on, come on, buddy. It's okay. Dark's all right. It's okay, man. And you're just looking for that bear, right? <laughs> well, God knew all those things, right? So he said, hey, I'm going to send you out in twos. I'm going to put you together, and you're going to compliment one another. So when you have somebody that comes to you and they're asking questions or they're maybe um, uh, challenging you on an idea or whatever, and you're going, well, hang on, wait a minute. And then all of a sudden, this person goes, well, here's what the scripture says. Like, that's a good point. We don't really say that, but in our mind, we're like, that's really good. Somebody should, you know, take a video of this or whatever, right? So he wants us working together. We're supposed to be co-laborers of Christ, and we're supposed to be working with one another to do these things, to accomplish these things. Um, um, Acts 6, 1, number 7, it says the early New Testament church shared daily food with widows. widows. Number 8, Miss Jean, you need some food? No, I Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, the age, you may not qualify there, Miss Jean, because you got to be 65, right? What are you, 25, 27? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> there you go. Uh, the what? There you go. Um, James 1, 27. I, I don't know if I, I completely appreciate the wording here, but it says the only kind of religion that God cares about is the religion that cares for orphans and widows. Um, I, I get what they're trying to say. Just sometimes the wording may, may come off a little like, that's it. Never It's like, well... Yes, he wants us to be doing that. That's, we are his hands and feet, right? We're the body, and we're supposed to be his hands and feet, and he wants us to take care of that. I wrote this down. So what's um, uh, number seven and number eight, those questions, the widows and the care for orphans and widows in their troubles, what stops that? What stopped that, I should say? Government assistance. You can say that, but it was the church. 
The church gave up their responsibility to take care of the widows and the orphans. Because the government stepped in and said, hey, we're taking your taxes anyway. Let us do it. And we went, okay, be a lot easier. But let's think about this for a minute. We all probably can think of a family that we know that maybe the dad ain't pulling his weight, if you know what I mean. Lazy, won't get a job, blah, 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 and the kids are suffering for it. So we understand. Remember, again, when we were talking about renewing your mind, the Bible says that the sins of the father are passed down to the third and fourth generation. And we talked about that. That doesn't mean that if you're fifth generation, you're, you escape. The Hebrew idiom there is third and fourth generation, which means to however long it takes. All right? It doesn't mean that in the fifth generation it goes away. It was just an idiom that they used. Hey, this thing keeps going until somebody stops it. Okay? So, and it doesn't mean that those sins, that the children are responsible for those sins. It says that, that, that so it says too that the sins, um, the, uh, the sins of the father, that the, the family basically has to deal with it. So if you have an alcoholic father and he's beating everybody, the, the kids are being abused. They are um, unfortunately a recipient of that, right? But if the church did its job and said, hey, we're going to try to take, take care of the community, and we go, well, old Bobby over there, all he does is beat on his wife and drink, you know, so, hey, Bobby, we're here to help. <laughs> we want to help. We want to help the kids. We want to see you get delivered, right? But if you don't, hey, you can't be beating on your kids. You can't be beating on your wife, right? But the church advocated that to the government, and so now we have what we have. We have out of control. And the unfortunate part is, is that, and I'm not trying to raise a political point here, but we've got people that's living on Social Security barely getting by, and we're handing out checks and, and, and credit cards to people that aren't even legally here, right? I mean, I'm like, hang on, we're giving $60 billion to Ukraine. I mean, whether you understand what's going on or not, it's just like, hey, wait a minute. We're, we're, we're upside down here. <clears throat> well, we're going to give them a 5% cost of living raise. Thank you for the $12.73. <laughs> it's like, what, what are we doing? So the church, the church is responsible for that. They should not have um, been in that situation. To Miss Jean, uh, right here, a widow who is, who is uh, put on the list for support must be a woman who is at least 60 uh, years old and was faithful to her husband. Uh, she must be well respected by everyone because of the good she's done. She uh, has brought up her children well. She has been kind to strangers. She has served other Christians humbly, has helped those who are in trouble. Uh, she has been ready to do good. The younger widows should not be uh, on the list, 1 Timothy 5, 9 through 11. And if you read this list, the thought that came to my mind is, who's judging this? What was the, it was the apostles. It was the pastors. It was the teachers. That were, the, the ones that were set in in that church. They were making that judgment call because they, they knew. They knew the people that was amongst them. So you can say, yeah, we're going to help this family. I, I used to get so mad. I mean, you've heard the expression, make a preacher cuss, right? I was, I was there. I was close. I didn't, but I was close. But when I was working at the post office, I had my radio on, and sometimes I would have, um, I, there was a station out of Oklahoma I could pick up, and it had sermons and stuff on it. And this thing would come on, and it would say, um, will you help uh, stamp out hunger in Arkansas? Um, 
blah, blah, blah percent of kids, 40% of kids in Arkansas go to bed hungry every night. And I'm like, that's impossible. There is a food bank on every corner. These parents are getting SNAP benefits, right? And, and, and if you receive those, I'm not saying you're bad. I'm just saying, but these parents that are selling these things, that's why these kids can't get no food. And I would just be like, ah! You know, I'm like, Lord Jesus, you have to have mercy on me because if I found one of them, I would have no mercy on them. Like, what are you doing selling your, you know? You've got a means to get food and you won't even take advantage of it. I mean, I used to have a friend. Um, he managed the Apple Market, if y'all know where that was in Fort Smith, where the crazy Musset, Spradling, Six, and all that crazy intersection came together. And uh, I was there eating with him one day. I delivered to him. He's a godly man. And he had an upstairs um, office that overlooked the cashier place. And a lady had come in. She's got T-bone steaks, all this stuff. I mean, everything in there, right? And she's got three or four cartons of cigarettes. And uh, so she's pushing her cart up there. She's got a little kid in the front. And he wants a candy bar. And she tells him no three or four times. And then finally, while she's unloading this stuff, he reaches up and grabs one, right? And she snatched that out of his hand. She smacked that kid three or four times. And she said, you know we can't afford that. And I'm up there with Larry, and I'm like, ah. <laughs> and he said, dude, he said, I see this every day. You know, put back one carton. You buy the kid a candy bar every day. And I'm, I'm not advocating kid needs a candy bar every day. I'm just saying the whole premise was that, you know, we can't afford this. You can't afford what you've got in your cart. I mean, literally, right? I mean, we just, and here's the thing. Those kids grow up. And sometimes when they grow up, they don't know how to get all that anger and that anxiety and all that stuff out of them. And so it comes out in a robbery. Or a, and we say, see, that kid needs it. No, he needs Jesus. It's what he needs, right? And that's what I'm talking about is that we, we need to be in a place where we're helping people. I told y'all, um, running the, the ranch up there and had a 12-year-old kid come to us that had been taken out of his home. Um, ever since he was 18 months of age, his, his uh, mom and dad had him in pornography. And when he was about two or three, he was actually used in videos uh, of pornography. And so that was the reason he was taken out. He came to us after a therapy session one time, and the therapist said, hey, um, just say little Johnny. Little Johnny had an eruption today and tore some pictures off the wall, punched a hole in the wall, kicked some stuff, blah, 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 had a, had a meltdown. And so we're like, okay. And said, just want to let you know, he might be a little, you know, agitated, blah, blah, blah. And um, so basically what, it, what we were talking to the therapist, she said, well, it's kind of like this. I just, I asked a question. I said, well, I said, was it something that was said or what? She said, well, here's the deal. <clears throat> she said, imagine if your kids came to me and I said, hey, this Jesus junk that your parents tell you about, it's not true, right? Well, that's all they've known, so they're going to be upset that, you're telling me that my mom and dad, no way, right? So here's a kid that's 12. Now, he had been out of that for a year or so. But here's a kid that grew up in that. And his understanding was that this is just normal, right? Everybody does this, right? And so now you've got a counselor saying, no, this is not normal, you know? So he's, excuse me, he was acting out at school, doing some inappropriate things, right? You can only imagine. And so he got some help. I, I looked at my wife and I said, how many little Johnnies are out there that didn't get any kind of intervention, somebody helping them out, and now they've become 
a 40, 45, 50-year-old pedophile or whatever, and we're saying, hang that joker from the highest. You know, don't get me wrong. I believe there needs to be um, a penalty, you know, a, a, a um, um, consequence of your actions. I'm not, I'm not skating that part. I'm just saying we have to be careful that we don't fall into a mentality that says, you know, kill them all. You know, instead of like, no, they need some help. They need Jesus, right? I mean, as bad as that we don't want to admit this, Jesus died for pedophiles. I mean, and I, yeah, I, I, had, to, I had to wrestle with that. I mean, because if you, there's a few things in my life that you can really rile me, and that's one of them when you start talking about hurting a kid. I mean, like, ha. Ah. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, that doesn't excuse the behavior Especially at that age, you know what you're doing, okay? But I'm just saying, how many of those are we looking at and we're going, ah, and we should be crying for them, right? Lord, somehow break in. Let them see the error of their ways. How many, uh, we rented out the, the movie theater and went and saw Sound of Freedom for the church. We'd have to rent out two theaters now. I just want you all to know that, okay? <laughs> um, how many saw that movie Pretty much everybody. Okay. There's a scene in there that we get introduced to uh, Tim Ballard, who is going over a real figure. He goes over and rescues kids. By the way, he's a Mormon, in case you didn't know. Right? Bless him, Lord. Let his eyes be open to the truth, but bless him for saving children, right? And so, anyway, he meets this man over there, and this man is the one who helps him make the contacts that he needs to get to the places he needs and, and rescue these kids. And this guy has also been rescuing some kids, right? But come to find out the way he got into this was that he bought a woman one night and after he had his way with her, found out that she was like 13 or 14, wasn't it? And he, that, that ripped him apart, that he was like, I can't believe they lied to me and they told me this girl was much older. She's a t and it, it wrecked him, right? Thank God that he had a conscience, Right? But he was doing bad things, but he became Tim Ballard's guy that got him in and out of these places. He had a total change of heart, and that's why he quit doing what he was doing. And, you know, so it's like we got to be careful, right? We don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. But at the same time, there needs to be consequences, right? Um, what that has to do with being at church, I have no idea. But we're going to say it does, okay? Because if you had to come to church, you wouldn't be doing those things, maybe, right? Because you would hear that's not right. Amen. So we got a couple more minutes left. Oh, number 10. What's the, uh, yes. Beside the church supporting widows, orphans, and the poor, it also supports those who minister the word. Amen. Yeah. So uh, I did see this, and I thought this was number four. True or false, the early church continued to give money to build a church parking lot. Yeah. Yeah, y'all say false, but next Sunday when y'all can't find a parking spot, you're going to be like, we need to do something out there. <laughs> yes, ma'am. So which is it? Is it missionary car or part of? I, let me say this. Yeah. Let me say this too. I agree with, let me just say this. I have to go back to my Uncle Wayne, all right? And he, we talked about, do we understand that the, the, there is no such thing as prosperity gospel? Okay, that's a term that was used negatively to describe people that talked about money, right? But the gospel has prosperity in it, okay? So, 
Uncle Wayne's deal. Now, when I say Uncle Wayne, I got I to gotta let you know that this man had literally millions of dollars go through his hands, cars, planes, trains, houses, everything, okay? Um, so his thing was the problem with the Western preaching of prosperity is that we don't hear the accountability and responsibility that comes alongside of it because the Bible says to whom much is given, much is required, right? So that's where we get into some errors sometimes, right? Now, I wouldn't say that if you needed new carpet in your house and you were to sow a seed to say, I'm going to help this person get this, that doesn't mean that your house is going to get new carpet. But I'm sowing a seed saying, Lord, here's what I need. So maybe there is money that comes and you can go, hey, I don't know that people have done that and money came from unusual sources and they went, woo, we got an extra 1500 let's go. And they went and blew it or whatever, right? And they forgot about planting a seed. And then they go, well, God never put that carpet in my house. Well, you dummy, you spent your seed, right? You know, or, I mean, you may th- let me throw a, a real heavy revy out here. The Bible says that he gives seed to the sower and to what? Okay. Some of you eat your seed and sow your bread. God intended you to eat that and you sowed it. And he says, well, what do you want me to do about it? It was yours. And some of you are sowing your bread and you're eating your seed. And you got it backwards. So that's a hard decision. But I would say sometimes God can say, hey, I want you to meet this person's need and I'll meet you that. Uncle Wayne, get quick story. Um, he was preaching one time and he was preaching on God loves a sacrificial giver. Preached it. And he had made a commitment to another church for some money to, to roof their church. That's what he did, okay? Came time to pay that pledge, and he didn't have the money. So he went before the Lord and said, Lord, you told me to give that money, and I don't have it. What do you want me to do? Nothing. Silence. Crickets. Like between the Old Testament and New Testament. Nothing, okay? And so it came time to pay that. He said, well, and he's a man of his word, so he had to sell his wife's refrigerator and he had to sell his watch to make that pledge. So he did. Two weeks later, he's preaching in a church. And afterwards, um, the pastor called him back to his office and said, hey, I noticed that you don't have a watch. And he said, no, sir, I don't. Now, you got to remember this too. Wayne, when he went on the mission field, God told him, he said, you can tell no man of your need. I have to be your sole sustenance. So the pastor called him back and said, hey, I noticed you didn't have a, a watch. Um, and he said, no, I don't. And he said, well, look, there was five given in the offering bag today. He said, pick out one you want. So he picked out a watch that he wanted, which was better than the one he had given. Went home that afternoon. Well, it was the next day. He had, he, I don't know if he drove or whatever, but he got home. Um, he's sitting there in his house, and he hears a knock at the door. Guy pulls up, shows up. And he says, hey, where do you want this brand new refrigerator? God told me to get this to you. Still in the box. Better than the one he had, Okay. And so he's like, I don't understand, you know. I mean, he does, but he's like, wow, you know. So he lay unbox it, leaving. So during that time he, before the Lord, he's like, Lord, you didn't answer. You didn't tell me. He said, well, son, he said, do you remember the, the message that you preached two weeks ago? He said, yeah. He said, I was just wondering if you practice what you preach. God loves a sacrificial giver. But he gave him back more than what he gave, right? You can't outgive God, right? So there are, there are things that we're... We're missing sometimes in those things. God is good. He is going to provide for us, right? Sometimes we get way too stuck on the whole monetary thing too, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. I mean, if you went back in the old days and you went to these David stuff. Yeah. I mean, you talk about ornate, man. There was some ornate things. I mean, think about the Ark of the Covenant. 
You know, that thing was worth millions, you know, in today's deal. Uh, one quick thing, and we'll end here. So Uncle Wayne talked about the, the, out of all of his years on the mission field, the quickest and most, um, the, the, the quickest act of obedience was in Mozambique. And um, if I could remember the missionaries' names, you would know them. No, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was, it wasn't Heidi. It was uh, some people that was there before them. This has been probably back in the 50s. No, um, they had an airplane and they, they were bush pilots and they flew. Anyway, <clears throat> they had never, huh? No, it wasn't, it wasn't them. Um, when they got into Mozambique, they're flying in and Uncle Wayne said, Lord, I'm fixing to go to the poorest nation on the earth. How can I tell them about sharing and giving when they have nothing. And he said, tell them to look in their hand. Whatever they have in their hand, share it with their neighbor. If it's, if it's peanuts, if it's rocks, whatever it is, share with their neighbor. So he got over there. They had never, or not never, they had not had meat in a long time. So they bought two cows. And he said, little did we know they were going to sacrifice them during our preaching service, right? So in the middle of the service, they're, they're sacrificing these cows, right? Go ahead, preach, preacher. I'm here butchering this cow, right? getting that thing ready to go on the spit. And so um, he, he got to talking about that, about sharing, like what you had and all that kind of stuff. Well, there's a commotion in the crowd. And he got to looking, and it was the missionary's daughter who was eight years of age. She had taken her shoes off, and she was going to the little kids, and she was trying to find out whose feet that they would fit on. And he said, it so impacted me because she didn't ask her mom and dad, like, will you buy me another pair of shoes? She was just instantly obedient to what the, the Spirit was telling her. And she was like, I'm willing to give my shoes away. I'll walk barefooted if I have to, but you're going to have my shoes. And I, and, and I understand the whole idea of expectation, okay? But I'm saying this. Sometimes we need to just let the Lord do His work. We be obedient. And if it means you've got to... Here's the thing. We look at it like, I'll walk around barefooted. Think about your testimony, uh, you ain't got no shoes. I know. Listen, I was at this service. The Lord fell on us, man. I was, I, there was a lady there that needed some shoes. She hadn't had shoes on in 15 years. Can you imagine that? Have you ever? Oh, my goodness. So now I'm walking around. And, well, well, let me buy you a pair. I mean, we don't know. Right? I'm, yes, God's going to take care of us. But we're so, we're so spoiled. I'm telling you, we're so spoiled, man. We're like, Lord, my, my heater's not working. I just don't know. My air conditioner don't work. Raise a window. <laughs> Lord, thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit that blows in this house and causes us to be cool. I mean, you want to test your faith? Come on. I mean, we just, we live so spoiled. So, man, I wish there was something good I could say and not long, end on that. Hmm. <laughs>
Have I got a deal for you? That's awesome. It's it is the it really is the little things, even the you know paparazzi jewelry stuff. So you know, all the women are like, yeah. All the men are like, oh, we don't get this. So now fishing gear, right? Fishing gear. Now, hey, now we're talking. Hallelujah. Well, be blessed. Have a happy rest of the week. Um, don't forget to level someone. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Like where to stay away from? <laughs> yes, yes. So this is going to be a, a unique event for us, amen? So, all right, love you guys. Appreciate you.